Okay, welcome. This is Calibrate Your Inner Compass. It is a two-class series with guest teacher Cass Garvin. Amazing. And Cass has all kinds of incredible credentials, but she has walked me through multiple challenging episodes in my life as a coach and does it with such grace. And like, it's an invitation, you know, she's, she's one of those people who pulls you rather than pushes you. Um, and I'm so honored to know you and be on this journey with you. And thank you for sharing with us. I feel like every time you step into this community, the whole community shifts in positive and beautiful ways. Um, so we're looking forward to more of that. No pressure. And um, I will let you take it from here and uh, I'll pop in with questions once we're at that point. Sounds good. Thank you for that introduction and kind, sweet words. It is always so nice to be at Conda, the um, community that Allison is so carefully uh, crafting and cultivating is just wonderful and beautiful. And in these times of, of unconnect and disconnect in so many ways to have the opportunity to connect in community like this um, is really invaluable. So thank you for having me and thank you for all of you being here. It's nice to see some familiar faces and some, some sort of familiar faces. Um, as Allison mentioned, I'm Cass, I'm a health and wellness coach. And most of my coaching really focuses on mindset, uh, goals, accountability, action plans, um, helping you move through, towards, beyond. And today, the question that we're really sort of circling in and around on is what's possible when we quiet the chaos that is in us and around us enough to hear our authentic, brilliant, wise, intuitive, internal knowing that's what keeps us grounded and presence enough to know where we are and clear enough to see where it is we want to go and always pointed in the right direction, regardless of our ups and our downs or the blind curves that we end up navigating through life. And we're going to do this work today by calibrating our internal compasses. And we do that work uh, through dancing with kind of three different ideas. And those ideas are one, how we feel about how we feel really matters. How we feel about how we feel. And secondly, there's something that is a continuum of illness and wellness. And what matters most on this continuum of illness and wellness is not where you are on the continuum, but rather the direction you're pointing in. So thirdly, these connections that we're talking about to ourselves and to the people and the world around us, that's what leads us to and unlocks and propels us towards optimal wellness. So when you kind of combine those three different concepts about how we feel, about how we feel really mattering and understanding that there's a continuum of illness and wellness, and that it's not so much where we sit on that continuum, but the direction we're facing. And that our connectedness to ourselves and the people in the world around us when it all comes together. That's when we're able to calibrate this internal compass we have and, and move it towards a sort of steady, grounded, true North Star of our individual whole being wellness, no matter what is going on in us or around us. So again, for those of you that just popped in in a little bit, we're going to do some writing. So if at one point um, you want to grab something to write with and on, that is uh, would be helpful. 
first, before we dive into all of that, though, let's sort of get settled in to what we're doing here and shift into a space of being a little bit more present in the right here-ness versus the everywhere else's-ness that we end up in our days. Um, you're taking care of so much during the days, tending to, um, tending out, energy is going out. So let's take a minute here to settle into being in community and raise that nurture and support your own wellness, because in turn, that will nurture the wellness of everybody around you when you take care of and tend to yourself. So get yourself in a comfortable seat and let's sort of shake this day off a little bit. Maybe wiggle your wrists and hands, find some space in hands and feet, roll your shoulders, your neck, let it go of whatever demands, sort of the chaos and the noise of the day that might be still rattling around you a little bit. And as you get the wiggles out and sort of settle in, gently close your eyes or lower your gaze. And find yourself seated in a comfortable, tall posture, with your spine being lifted and upright. And find a steadiness and ease within that space. You are grounded right here, right now. And we'll begin by bringing the attention inwards by taking a deep, full breath, inhale through the nose, bringing the air into your diaphragm and into the belly, all the way front, back, side to side. And when you exhale from these breaths, soften in all of the areas of the body that you know you're holding tension in. Continuing to breathe with purpose and relaxing and letting go. Consider unclenching your jaw, relaxing the micro muscles around your eyes. Making sure shoulders are dropped away from ears. And as you continue to settle into this space, letting go of what has been today and entering what will be, continue to breathe with soothing intentions. And as you do, begin to consider what it means to you to feel well in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. What does it feel like to feel well? to feel healthy, happy, whole, connected. Perhaps there's a season or a moment in time you can recall feeling very well, good in body, mind, spirit. Maybe that was yesterday. Maybe it was before the pandemic. Maybe it's hard to recall, or maybe it's right now. How does it feel in you to feel well? So as we take a few more final intentional inhales and exhales, 
when you're ready to come back and slowly open your eyes, bring with you your definition of what it feels like to feel well, how it felt in you to feel well, or how you think it will feel in you to feel well. When you're ready, open your eyes. So how does the idea of feeling well translate for you? It's bio-individual, meaning it's different for everybody. We are all unique beings. We have unique dreams and goals, health needs, experiences, life experiences. We're all bio-individuals. So what wellness means to me, what well means, means to me or feels to me is going to be different than what it feels like to you. What I need to be healthy and well and happy isn't necessarily the same as what you need to be happy and healthy and well. There's not a one size fits all to wellness. So when we start to talk about this idea of calibrating our compass, we first have to be very clear on that idea that who we are and what we need to feel well or our best at any given moment in time is going to be unique to us. And we do this kind of mindfulness exercise as well to get into our bodies, as you all know, so that we can embody what we're learning, to settle in and to quiet our minds and shift into a place of hearness. It's so common in chaotic cultures of ours that honor and revere this busy and multitasking and like movement, constant movement without necessarily going anywhere. We do this kind of exercise to quiet some of the constant chatter in us and around us so we can begin to hear ourselves more clearly because we know ourselves better than anyone ever will or ever does. There are people that are experts in a lot of things and people that are experts in a lot of people. And sometimes we really need expert opinion and expert advice and expert intervention, but there will never be another expert. There will never be a better expert on you than you. So we're living through, again, this sort of very loud, chaotic times in a very loud and chaotic world. And we are inundated with what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, what we should be feeling and not feeling and thinking and buying and believing. It goes on and on and on and on and in health and wellness, especially, I mean, you cannot turn on a still connected to cable television or open a magazine of any genre without being inundated with pharmaceutical ads that have lists of symptoms and then terrifying side effects. Um, you know, it's, it's, in, it's in every genre and every area. There's this diet industry of eat these foods or don't eat these foods and feel these ways or take this exercise class and it's gonna reverse all signs of aging or, you know, do these yoga poses for six hours, six days a week, and you are going to be enlightened and amazing in all of the ways it crosses all of the industries. And a lot of this information that we're inundated with does come with um, merit and comes from trusted sources, and some of it doesn't. And it can be so very difficult to sift through all of this information we're getting at all times about what we should and could be doing to feel our best, to be our best. Um, but if you can't hear your own self, if you're not settled enough and quiet enough in yourself, 
it's almost impossible to be able to make informed decisions and decipher sort of what direction to even be pointed or headed in in the first place. And that's really where this compass calibration comes into play. And what I mean by calibrating of your compass is cultivating that ability, the finding your way to a place of like internal steadiness and an grounded, informed place, which you can clearly and confidently make decisions that support your unique bio-individual wellness journey, regardless of where you're starting from. Things that support you feeling the ways you know you want to feel, even when not everything about your experience is in your control. We've got these obligations of life. We've got work demands and family demands, and there's travel and caretaking and tending to. There's injury, there's illness. Maybe things that you've navigated in the past or you're currently navigating or you're worried about having to navigate. It's it's amidst all of that life that is always happening. This calibrating of these internal compasses that we have means setting a course that is intentional and aligned with your unique needs and wants in ways that can lead through a lot of that barrage of information and input and keep you on a course of your true norm, being pointed in the direction of optimal wellness and actively participating in the process of being happy and healthy and whole and well in the ways that are important to you. So a little quick disclaimer on what I mean when I'm saying that. And this is not one of the like, you can will yourself to well. You can, you know, mind over matter, an injury, run through it, push through it. That's not what this is. It's not spiritual bypassing. It's not take a magic pill or don't take a magic pill because health and wellness is highly individualized. And sometimes it's a really hard and serious and overwhelming journey. But in all of that, there's also always room for deeply supportive conversation about what we do have control over when parts of what we are experiencing are truly out of our control. Because again, as it turns out, how we feel about how we feel really matters a great deal when it comes to our well-being and our health. And that sort of is the first piece of this puzzle of possibility. And the second piece is this illness wellness continuum, which is essentially the legend for this compass of us. It's like on a map, the legend that says um, sort of where you are. The continuum shows us the direction and points us there in the first place. So it tells you what the, the lay of the land is. Once we understand what the lay of our land is, we can map ourselves out. We can look at where we are and begin to understand where it is we want to be heading and calibrate our compasses towards this North Star of optimal wellness. So I keep saying the word wellness and well, and so let's get a little bit of clarity around what I mean by wellness. Um, Because I think a lot of people often think of wellness just of the, um, as the absence of illness or disease or injury, and that's not actually the case. It's sort of just like illness and injury and disease have um, a lot of different degrees, there's degrees of wellness. It's not a static state, it's, a, it's, an, it's active. It's a way of life, um, sort of a lifestyle you design to achieve your highest well-being potential. 
And it's a developing awareness that there is no end point, but that health and happiness are possible and available in each moment here and now. It's an integration of body and mind and spirit, emotions. It's the appreciation that everything you do and think and feel and believe has an impact on your state of wellness and the state of the wellness of the people around you and the state of the wellness of the world as a whole. And at its root, wellness is a lot of self-compassion. It's the loving acceptance of yourself just as you are, perfectly imperfect and perfectly you. So if wellness is this, you know, this, this ongoing evolution of this practice, um, it's in a little bit of opposition to some of the Western medical things that we experience in our days. Traditional Western medicine is not historically in the business of wellness. It's based in disease management and sometimes prevention, and it's designed to treat, and it does that extraordinarily well, but it's never been meant, it was never built to help people get past a point of neutrality. It's meant to get you to a point of neutrality, to neutralize whatever is not going well or is, is headed down and, and not necessarily great path. It's an allopathic medical paradigm. So it's a symptom treatment system that really does focus on treatment of what's currently going wrong or what might be going wrong. Um, and this is where you can get into that symptom whack-a-mole situation where there's, you know, got a symptom, we're gonna neutralize that symptom. Is there a different system symptom? Let's neutralize that symptom. So it can, as things are coming up in our world, whether or not they have to do with our physical health or spiritual health, um, there can be this thought process of just sort of attacking one-off situations in our world. And we do that individually as well outside of the, the medical paradigm. Um, so it's, it's easy to lose sight of ourselves in that, like we can lose sight of the bigger picture. Um, you know, again, Western medicine and the treatment paradigm is, is extraordinarily essential and amazing and full of science, which I am a huge fan of. Um, but again, its goal is to get us to neutral, not beyond. It doesn't have a lot of regard for how we're feeling about how we're feeling. So a lot of what we're talking about today is to take all of that into consideration and get the most out of everything that you possibly can on your journey. Now, a lot of times, sometimes what is missing is a little bit more of a functional approach where we're, no matter what we're talking about in our worlds, going upriver, upstream and looking up what's going on, what's causing imbalances in our lives for ourselves what's causing us to feel unwell, whether or not we're physically feeling unwell or emotionally feeling unwell, feeling disconnected. Um, so again, it's these one-off approaches have to do with neutralizing versus uh, having a more inclusive approach that has more to do with thriving over just neutralizing. So again, that's a piece of what we're talking about today as well. Um, and this continuum that I keep talking about, I'm going to share this with you guys. I'm going to apologize in advance for this gentleman's uh, who invented this continuum for his amazing graphics, which are from the 70s and it shows. All right, can you see that? Michelle, do you see it? Yeah, you see it. Okay. 
Okay, so this is Dr. John Travis in the 70s who was really responsible for bringing the term wellness into awareness. And he came up with what is referred to as this Travis Illness Wellness Continuum. And it's a methodology for considering our wellness and how we can care for ourselves differently. And it's pretty straightforward. You can see that there's a neutral point in the center and to the left of the neutral point is what's considered the treatment paradigm. And this is where um, we work through signs and symptoms and disability. And again, the focus is often on getting to neutral, extraordinarily valuable and important. But you can see at the bottom on that left-hand side where the, again, the treatment paradigm just goes to the point of neutrality. And at the top, you can see that what's considered this wellness paradigm runs the whole gamut of the continuum. So it illustrates that regardless of where you're sitting in this continuum, perhaps in symptom, perhaps in disability, you're still in this wellness paradigm. It's really, it's, the continuum is illustrating this relationship between the allopathic medical paradigm, again, and the wellness paradigm, which is more based on self-responsibility rather than treatment. And it's what directs us beyond neutral again and encourages us to move as far right as possible. It's not meant to replace anything, but to work in harmony with it. So if you're unwell, then treatment is really important, but don't stop at the neutral point. Use that wellness paradigm concept to continue to move towards high level wellness. So what this model identifies is that there's these three steps um, to move through and advance through these stages to continue to move towards this high level wellness or optimal wellness. There's awareness, which is just being aware of the fact that wellness takes active participation, understanding that how you feel about how you feel matters. Um, there's education that follows awareness, which is seeking out information. It's what you're doing right now. And then growth, which is considered when you're really starting to move the dial on your own wellness journey. So um, it's practices that you have in place, you know, all of your yoga practices. Some of you meditate, some of you um, follow particular types of eating that work well for your body. So that would be what is considered growth at that point. And here's where it gets more interesting. Again, the graphic, rough. <laughs> um, but this is interesting because if you think of this continuum as a pathway, people can be going in either direction on the path. You can be either pointing towards the right, towards wellness, or to the left. A person who is physically in good health, like this little barefoot jogger person he's got going on here, so somebody could be um, on that right side of neutral neutrality. They could be in wellness. Yet if they're facing towards the left, maybe they're, com they're complaining a lot. They're very anxious. They worry a lot. They have a very high stress level. They're not happy with their world and their life. Um, they can still be on the right-hand side, but they're pointing left. Conversely, somebody else who may be experiencing uh, disabled ability in their body uh, can still have a really genuinely positive outlook and be cultivating positive emotion over fear. And they're consequently gonna be facing to the right in the direction of that high level wellness. So when individuals are facing the right, 
they're considered to have what's called a growth mindset. They're open, they're learning, they're uh, engaged in expansiveness and education and awareness and growth. To the left facing towards, um, uh, you know, to the left of that neutral point, it's considered a fixed mindset where people are a little bit more stuck in a negative thought pattern, um, which, you know, we're pre-wired to have a little bit of this negative thought pattern in our worlds. It's, it's part of how our nervous system was designed to help keep us alive when we had to run from bears and woolly mammoths all the time. Uh, so it's intentional, um, but we can evolve towards a little bit more of a positive mindset. We can evolve towards facing the right, towards optimal wellness with practice. And that's a lot of what we'll be talking about today. So the direction you're facing in is what matters. How we feel about how we feel is what matters. It doesn't matter again, necessarily where you sit on the continuum, it really matters the direction that you're facing in. One of the examples that, that is in a lot of Dr. Travis's writings has to do with um, considering people like Paralympic athletes who perhaps have experienced a significant amount of disability in, in their lives, um, but are uh, having growth oriented towards the right mindset about their lived experience. So it's interesting uh, to consider. All right, is everybody still with me? That was kind of a lot of talking all at once. Does anybody have any questions? Good, okay. One of the things I always think about when you talk about this too is um, chronic illness and chronic pain. And um, <clears throat> over the years, I've encountered, you know, dozens of students with those challenges. And I think sometimes we get in this place of like, I'll feel better when, you know, X, Y, and Z happens versus you can use wherever you're at and move in the direction of awareness, education, growth, and that has its own wellness versus often we'll see people who, you know, they don't have any significant health challenges and they may be practicing or exercising in a way that is aggressive. And, and to a certain degree, you know, when my teachers would use the term self-punishing. Yes. And what we see is that sure, they currently may be in that place of neutrality, um, but there comes a point where that um, wrestling with the body starts to lead you in the direction of, you know, illness versus wellness. So, so much of it has to do with, like you're saying, where you're looking. And I think with the yoga asana practitioners, where this really shows up is with pain, pain, injuries, illness, which we'll all encounter over time. And then how are you engaging with those? Um, you know, and often because we like using our bodies when we practice asana, we tend to, um, I think, like stay at that place of neutrality and um, continue kind of just managing some of the ways we're moving our body. And, and that symptom whack-a-mole, I see it with like the injuries that continue to pop up, yeah. we never change the way we're practicing. So we actually start looking in the direction of like awareness, education, and growth. We we're always kind of an exercise, get this done, um, you know, and, and not so much our community, but the yoga community as a whole tends to be like vinyasa based. So it's, it's very exercise oriented. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. And that, and that's exactly right. You know, we, we, we contort ourselves. We don't necessarily continue in the directions that we should. And it is um, what you're saying is very valid. I mean, even in this amazing graphic here, that the person that is running does not look happy and, and he is, you know, his form is, is poor. And, and so he is running towards, to your point, you know, towards uh, left of neutrality, regardless of the fact that he is a, appears relatively physically fit and is doing something that um, people will often assign to, well, they're fit enough to run, so they must be healthy, all of the sort of assumptions that, that take place. Um, yeah, and it's, it is chronic pain and, and how we are and are not moving our bodies and how we are and are not honoring and listening to our bodies, all of those things are, um, are significant and impactful and it's how we feel about them. And to your point about exercise, am I exercising as a way to connect to myself and what I know is best for my body or am I exercising to punish myself or to you know, try to force my form into or contort into either a shape or a size that it was not meant to be. So it really applies to endless uh, realms. You know, I'm, I'm sort of called out Western medicine just because it's a very clear cut way to describe the differences, but it really resides in, in so many avenues and is wide open for sure. So uh, does anybody else have any comments or questions when we roll on? Okay. Uh, okay, so recap here. We've we're clear on what wellness is. We know that it's an ongoing practice of active choices and participation and what it isn't. It's not a static state. You are, it's not that you are either well or you are unwell. Um, and we've heard that no matter where we currently are in terms of our overall health and well-being, again, the direction in which we're pointing matters. And pointing to the right of the continuum is directly correlated to our lived experiences. It's how we feel about how we feel again. I know it's repetitive, but it's the biggest takeaway that there is because that actually impacts our, our health and our well-being. Just to Allison's example that she just gave, somebody who is continuing on a path that is not necessarily right for their body at that time, that's going to have an impact. How we feel about why we're doing the things we're doing, that's all going to have an impact over time. Everything is connected, all of it. And connection really is the name of the game when it comes to this, because connection is considered the currency of wellness. So if we pause here and think about like what connection actually means to us, what does it mean to be connected to how you move your body? What does it mean to you to be connected to in relationships in your life? How do you know if you're connected or feeling disconnected in certain areas of your life? How do you know if you're connected in, into the ways you're fueling your body, what you're eating, what you're not eating? How do you recognize in yourself feelings of connection or a lack thereof? Again, it's, it's bio-individual like everything else is we're talking about. So 
the way I feel connected in my life in different life areas is going to be different than how you all feel connected in your life in different life areas. So think about that for a minute, you know, sort of how do you know when you're feeling connected or do you, have you ever even thought about it before? It's kind of interesting. I'm going to stop this share for a while so we don't have to look at that any longer. Um, so it's important again, to recognize those connections, the lack thereof, because in our lives, how we're connected to ourselves, to other people, to the different areas of our lives, some of the most significant contributing factors to our wellness. There's uh, these areas called the blue zones, which are um, identified geographical locations where people live a really long time. Like as the highest quota of people who live over a hundred and they are not just living, but they are thriving um, and really having extraordinary experiences. And one of the key indicators in all of those blue zone areas is sense of community and connectedness. So it's really important to be able to start to identify your own feelings of connection or lack thereof. And it's, it's in many different life areas that should be considered. It's, again, it's our own vision of wellness, how we're connected to that. Like, do we ever even think about what it feels like or means to be well? Like we started at the beginning of this class. Um, again, it's not just the absence of illness. So what does it feel like to you to actually feel really well? And again, what are our connections to other people, like our intimate relationships, our friends, our families of origin or our chosen families, our sense of community, like in this instance, connections to um, our professions or our jobs, what we do for work, whether or not we pay or paid for it or not, maybe to retirement, our connections to um, stuff and money, abundance, to creative expression and to play and curiosity and awe and to how and when and why we move our bodies and what we're consuming again that's on a plate in a glass and what we're consuming that is not on a plate, the media that we're taking in, what we read or don't read, what we listen to, what we watch. It's about connection to like our meaning and our purpose, spiritual practices. And the biggest one of all, the connection that matters the most is our connection to ourselves, to our thoughts and narratives and internal dialogues about who we believe ourselves to be and not to be. That connection of wholeness or enoughness or our being in its entirety. You know, Allison, you talked about um, one of sort of those key pillars being uh, of align, alignment principles in yoga, being about knowing that you are whole and good and complete just as you are and accepting that as truth. So do you all know that you are whole and good and complete just as you are? <laughs> I'm glad to see it working. <laughs> um, you know, do we accept ourselves that way? How are we talking to ourselves? Are we being loving and kindness and generous and graceful with ourselves? Or are we shaming and blaming or disparaging ourselves by having these internal narratives 
that speak in ways to yourself that you would like never, ever speak to somebody you loved or cared for. The voice we hear the most often throughout our lives is our own voice. So what is your connection to yourself in that way? And that's where these maps of us kind of begin. It's these points of connection. Those are our, you are here stickers on the maps of us. Because we have to, again, know where we are to be able to sort out where we want to go and how we're going to get there in ways that are authentic to our unique needs in terms of our own health and wellness. So the first step of getting there is by taking an inventory of how you're currently feeling in the different areas of your lives, these main points of connection. It's like an audit of your currencies of connections because again, the ways that we are or are not connected in our lives deeply influence our ability to ground ourselves, to get quiet, to listen to those internal GPSs, to get clear on what it is we need to support facing in that correct or right direction and moving towards growth, moving towards awareness and education and all of the things that are going to support optimal wellness, regardless of what is going on, again, regardless of where you are on the continuum, um, injury, uh, self-injury with the narratives that you've got going on, it matters which direction you're facing in more than anything. So does that make sense so far? Do I have every, yes, 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 yes. You know, Kaz, I was just having this conversation with someone today and we were talking about um, health as well. Mm-hmm. No matter how much money you have, you know, health is wealth. Health is wealth. It was, uh, I'm like, I'm going to totally use that one. I just used it now. So <laughs> it is perfect. You did. And it's true. And, and it's right on theme, right? Like if, if connection is the currency of wellness and health is wealth, then we're coming, we're making a nice solid circle here. It is true. And again, how you feel about how you're feeling. You know, I could be, um, you know, I I am a runner who can no longer run. And that has been a really difficult transition for me. And I spent a period of time mourning the loss of that version of me because it is something that I really miss. But I started trying to weirdly replace it with things that were also not supportive and in support of me and my current body and this body that is aging but still has me upright and I can still do so many things but at the beginning I didn't feel that way I was just real mad about the fact that I couldn't run and I spiraled on it Allison knows this we had many conversations about (laughs) is this right for my body and my alignment and whatnot and and so for a period of time I was still running but definitely facing the left but under the assumption that because I was still running, I was going towards optimal wellness because I was running, but it was all backwards. You know, the running wasn't actually what my body needed. So in theory, I thought I was going in that direction, but physically I was absolutely pointed towards the left. And then emotionally and mentally, I was a hundred percent pointed towards the left. I was really upset. I was cranky about it. And I was like, a little bit petulant in it. You know, well, fine, if I can't do that, then I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> so 
So it wasn't until I was able to shift out of that mindset and look with gratitude of what I still could do and be in gratitude for all of the miles that my body allowed me to run and all the experiences that gave me, then things have changed. How I feel in my body has changed. And interestingly enough, some of the physical benefits that I felt and experienced from running all those miles and then felt slip between my fingers have started to return without that intense cardio experience. So I am feeling it and seeing it. And it is still a practice, friends. I still sometimes fall to the, fall to the left, but the effort to be facing towards the right um, has been really profound and, and has changed the way I feel about my body and how I can move my body and how I feel about this very topic of, of how much we can influence this. Health as well. Super grateful for what I've got. <laughs> Um, okay, so any other comments or questions? All right, cool. We're going to go on to a little bit of art and craft time. We're going to do our, a little bit of a writing exercise. Um, so get your paper and pen. I'm going to share. It's a um, yoga club people. You'll, you'll see a little bit of a familiar um, uh, exercise from what we've done before, but it's different enough to to pay attention to. I'm going to share my screen again and put an example up. I could have given you a copy of a blank one of these ahead of time, but I am specifically not because in our current era, we are not doing the same kind of things that we used to with our hands the thumb action and the tappy tap action is not um, uh, stimulating pathways the same way uh, it was when we were often writing, handwriting things. So we're gonna draw a fun circle. Let me get your example up here for you. And we're gonna draw it. I'm gonna walk you through it because it's nine slices, which can be challenging to do on a circle if you haven't thought it through. So on your paper, make a big circle and put a dot in the middle. Big circle dot in the middle. Next up, you're basically gonna make like a, you, you want three big slices of pie. It kind of ends up looking like a Mercedes um, logo. One line from the top to the center and then one line out this way. It's like a piece symbol missing its bottom piece. So then you've got three segments, and then within your three segments, you're just going to make one piece of pie in each segment. These are not even at all. And if you make one triangle slice of pie in each of your three segments, you should end up with one big circle with nine sections that are hopefully a little more even than mine. Okay. Once you have your circle in place and your hands are happy and your neural pathways are excited, we're gonna put the labels in. I'll walk you through each of them. We're starting with nutrition. And again, what that is, is what you consume on a plate in a cup. After nutrition, we're going movement. And that's gonna be how and when and why you move your body 
Beyond that, we've got relationships. Again, these are your family of origin, your chosen family, your intimate relationships, your friends, your community. Beyond relationships we have, this is your profession slash work slash maybe retirement. Um, and again, this can be work that you are or are not paid for. It can be a profession that you are greatly invested in or one that just pays the bills. Past that, we've got creative expression. Think creativity, but also think play and curiosity and learning and awe. Next up, we've got consumption. This is what you're consuming that is off of a plate. Again, this is the media you're consuming, music, books, movies, your stuff. What are you consuming that is not food? After that, we have sleep and rest and recovery. Beyond that one, we've got meaning, purpose, spirituality. It's a lot for a tiny slice of a pie. Um, this is open to your own interpretation. Again, this is all bio-individual. Spirituality doesn't necessarily have to align with any organized religion. It's whatever this all means for you. And lastly, and most importantly, is the all meaning area of self. This is that connectedness or relationship with yourself that we were talking about. So once you've got your wheels ready, your maps of connection, what we're gonna do is spend some time reflecting individually on your own on each of these areas of connectionness. And you're going to determine how connected you feel in each of the areas. And we're gonna mark our level of connection using a dot that the closer you are to the center, that means the less connected you feel. The further out towards the perimeter of the circle, that means that you feel more connected. So for instance, um, I have a, have a unique relationship with sleep these days and it's not coming all that easily to me on the regular. So I would probably currently rate my level of connectedness with sleep somewhere in the bottom quarter or somewhere in the bottom third, because I know how important sleep is. Sleep and rest and recovery matter to me. I do have practices to help with my sleep hygiene, but I am not necessarily doing the practices regularly. So I'm a, there's awareness there, um, but there's not necessarily a deep sense of connection with my ability to currently sleep, rest, or recover. So does that make sense? Do you need another example? Good. Okay. So again, you're going to spend some time. Keep in mind what connection and being connected means to you. And be in observation. Don't try to judge yourself. Don't try to fix anything. Don't try to solve or solution for anything in this exercise. You're just going to consider how each area feels in you. What's the somatic experience of each area for you? And then how connected do you feel to these areas for yourself? 
Again, we'll take five-ish minutes to do this. So no need to go down any rabbit holes. It's just an invitation to get curious with an open mind and an open heart about how you connected, you do or don't feel in these different areas of life. So I will leave you to it and we'll come back in a couple of minutes. So what does this have to do with anything? And why are we calibrating our compasses in the first place? Again, this is all connected. How we feel about how we feel really matters. And we can't know how we feel about how we feel unless we can quiet everything else down enough to be able to really look inwards and hear ourselves and slow everything down enough to be able to pay attention. And these areas of connection are the currency of wellness. You look at different life areas that are very impactful in how you move through and navigate through so that you can tend to any area that needs tending to, to fuel and support you again, feeling the ways you need to feel, to feel good about how you feel in ways that will keep you pointed in the right direction. So that's what all of this first piece has been about. So how did it go? Was it surprising? Were there things that were hard to be honest with yourself about or anything in your story of you that surprised you? It's interesting to think about and ponder on, and that's part of what you'll do for your homework. Um, the final sort of step that we'll do together today is just to consider, we, we talked and thought earlier today about um, what it means to feel well. And I asked you to reflect on a time or a season or dream about feeling well in your body and your mind and your spirit. So the question becomes, is there a difference in your map? Where are the deltas? If you were to map out now what you recalled or dreamed on in terms of feeling well, how differently would that map look to the map that you have right now in front of you? So I have some homework for you. Part of it is that you can do a remapping. If you had something that really came to mind um, and it was very vivid for you, perhaps part of the exercise is mapping what it felt like to feel well in those ways or what you envisioned feeling well would feel like and map that out. Beyond that, the homework is, you know, we've got, nine areas of connection we just looked at and we have nine days until we meet again. So I'd love for you to use your maps of you as a guide and spend 10-ish minutes a day, five, 10 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a lot. Focusing and reflecting on one of those areas per day. There's something really magical that happens whenever you do um, consecutive days of something like journaling, any kind of a practice. It takes practice to get a practice in place. So even if you've only got three minutes, I would love for you to do this once a day. I've put down some journaling thought starters for you if this sounds overwhelming or you're not quite sure where to start of it, but you're really just wanting to start to dig into what story does your map tell about you um, and where you are in terms of your connectedness or lack thereof. It's also interesting to consider which direction are you facing in each of those life domains? You know, when it comes to your nutrition, do you feel like 
for instance, my running, you know, and moving my body, what direction do I feel like I'm pointed at in terms of how I'm moving my body? Are my motives what they should be? Are my motives turned towards the right, towards optimal wellness? Are my motives more about, to Allison's point, maybe in, you know, sort of punishment of some way? You know, what do you need to be true to you to feel the ways that you know that you want to feel? Are there things that come to mind right away that you might continue doing or stop doing or start doing to support feeling sort of optimally well in these different ways? So that's the homework. When we come back together um, next time, we're really going to be all about sort of cultivating tools that help you move the needle in our connectedness. We're going to help put some supportive framework in place for being pointed in those right directions, regardless, again, of what life is throwing our way. It's a zooming out approach in order to focus in. Again, to find that quiet calm of certainty in a very uncertain world or in uncertain circumstances to feel as well as we can. So we'll kind of dissect some of that. We can go into some of the deltas. It'll be like tips and tricks, probably not quite as much lecture, but um, you know, engaging in some ideas around what could potentially be some non-negotiable practices that need to be in place for you to be kind of that loud, clear expert voice in you and for you that keeps you pointed in the right directions. So homework given, I know we're ready to go into movements. I'm gonna throw my email up here real fast for those of you who don't have it. If you have any questions in the meantime or you lose your way between now and then, please feel free to reach out. I am happy to, to help guide um, or offer more insights so that you can get the most out of it that you can. Okay, Allison, I tried to keep on time. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, just a few kind of notes. One of the things that I thought of when you were, uh, especially at the beginning, when you were talking about the bio individuality, um, that part that's part of what makes it challenging and almost requires this type of reflection mm -hmm. because we it's so much easier to say give me the answer give me the pill make this go away versus like sorting through things and the we talk about this often in the school that the crown jewel of practice in these traditions is discernment mm -hmm. that you're able to do that sorting and sifting and really figure out what's right for you and then also part of the reason um you know, I wanted you to come in and do this, you know, cause we had that talk and I was like, that's gold is because we will all continue with, if we're lucky, we continue with the March of time, also known as aging. <laughs> and so we will experience, you know, setbacks, um, in health and wellness and, or challenges. And it's like, which way do we face when we encounter those? Mm-hmm. Do we just start managing signs and symptoms and, or like, you know, kind of throw our hands in the air? Do we continue doing the things that aren't serving us or telling the stories that aren't serving us? Or do we kind of turn in the direction of awareness, mm -hmm. education, growth? And, um, for me, one of the, one of the interesting things, that point of turning is this, you know, one of my coaches often uses the word willingness your willingness to be with what is. Um, and a quick example, kind of like with you in the running about a year ago, I went to a functional medicine doctor just because I wanted a better gauge 
And I um, was not prepared for the fine tooth results or what it was going to ask me to do. Um, and one of the things I learned was that I had um, certain immune markers, right, that are probably genetic, um, but it, it sets me at a certain um, place in the world, right? And different things I have to consider with my health, which is was surprising, right? We didn't know. Um, at first, I was really upset about it. And, um, then everything I was doing took on more importance, but there was this kind of willingness and I had to let go of a lot of narratives, a lot of narratives about like my natural cycles as a person. Um, also narratives around, like I've done so much, how can you ask me to do more? Um, and so I think there's, there's always so many little moments where we get to turn towards, you know, health and wellness, regardless of the actual circumstances. Right. And I think that's kind of the opportunity I see for all of us here in the school is just to kind of remember this continuum, especially when we encounter something that we might consider challenging. Yes, that is exactly that is exactly it. In a nutshell. And it is um, it's invaluable. And, and regardless of where we are and where we're going and what we're going through. Um, it's again, it's an internal compass. It's a, it's a place to return to. It's your, it's your child's pose. You know, mm -hmm. it's your like safe, it's your, it's your safe space on your mat internally of what you know to be true. Mm -hmm. And that um, amongst anything that is out of your control, you always have control about how you feel about what you're feeling. The, um, and the, you know, I often have people say like, I, you know, part of the challenge of discernment before you ever get to discernment, you have to be able to like tune in and listen, yeah. right. You got to be able to do that sorting and sifting. And if there's, so then the question is what makes that challenging, right? Cause that's something I encounter a lot with people is like, this is hard, or, mm -hmm. um, I know I should, or I should be able to do this. And I don't know how. And so then my question over the last couple of years has been like, why is this challenging? Yeah. And, um, you touched on it as well. I've come up with that part of what makes this work challenging is the noise of our culture and the pace. Yes. So the noise, everything from like media and marketing, also just even like social media influencers, mm -hmm. right? Which yeah. is something I've watched over the years and I've heard other people not in this industry talk about is the loudest, craziest voice wins in our culture. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about that? The like on down to earth, reasonable humans don't get because they're not on a microphone or a megaphone, you know, and they're not going to fight and they're not going to do crazy off the wall stuff. Right. It, it actually gets less attention in the world we live in, which is very, um, concerning. Right. Uh, so there's the sensationalism, this like brashness and bigness and aggressiveness that gets attention. Those are the voices we're often encountering, right? So that, that has to do with like the exposure and the noise. The other part of the noise is just literal noise. Um, yeah. The amount of like sound that we're exposed to, even like how much music, media we're consuming, not to mention television. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other thing we're contending with is the pace things are, do you guys remember when we used to think that all the smartphones and all that stuff was going to make life easier <laughs> and give us like more time? 
right? Um, and it just hasn't been the case at all. Um, so it's just seemed to speed things up. And T.S. Little always says, you know, speed gets trapped in the body. And I mention all of this because the practice we're going to do today is going to be short and sweet. Um, I think it's a resource, what I'd call like a resource practice. This is something to come back to, but it's contending with those two things. It's contending with what makes it hard to listen and turn inward. So it's going to ask you to get quiet and go slow. Which are basically like Americans' least favorite things. <laughs> get quiet and go slow. Um, and then confidence we'll, is quiet. Hmm? Confidence, confidence is quiet. I like that. That's a good point. It's true. It's true. Um, truth is quiet. You know, that's something I've kind of in, you know, really danced with over the years is like when I started this exploration within myself, I realized that truth was quiet and it was not invested in me listening. You know, the, the parts of me that got screechy and loud for me to do something were usually not my highest self, not my confident, you know, still small voice of truth. Um, so the other thing with the speed is when, you know, again, going slow and soft and sweet. So this practice today will be supine, right? You guys know the slidey glidey stuff. It's magic and medicinal, but we're going to do more of the, um, you know, T.S. Little, true to T.S. Little style where you're taking those short Shavasanas regularly. Um, because that's where you actually get to practice stillness and silence. And then when we are together again next Wednesday, we'll do a little bit longer practice and we will actually do the same thing standing. Because we're pretty well trained in this community to be able to do that still and silent laying down, but I want you to be able to access a standing. So you could be in a grocery store or, um, you know, getting ready to walk into an important meeting and you're able to find that stillness and silence inside of you like that. And I think it is, in my experience, it is something that can absolutely be trained. Um, it takes practice just like anything, but it's almost like a, a place you build inside of yourself that when you know it's there, you can get to it. But if you have no um, roadmap for getting to it, no experience getting to it, this is kind of the concept of an inner sanctuary. You've got to build it and you, you have to travel there regularly to know where it is and know how to get there and know how to stay there.